Welcome to the Pilgrim's Odyssey, your guide to life's wild ride. I'm your host, Silwan Green. Every day we share incredible stories and valuable lessons on life and faith. Thanks for tuning in and make sure to share this odyssey with your friends and neighbors so all of us together can let our light shine. Welcome friends to another episode of the Pilgrim's Odyssey. I'm your host, Silwan. It is a pleasure to be with you today. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Now some of you are already hearing a church filled with people singing that song. Or some beautiful singer doing a rendition that you hear on the radio or your CD player or your iPod or your phone or your whatever. Sadly, there's a lot of people that hear that and they can't hear anything. I don't think you can be too old and not be able to remember in your youth that being sung in church. I wonder how much it's really sung in churches anymore. But there might not be a more timely song for what we're going through right now than Amazing Grace. And today on the Pilgrim's Odyssey, I'm going to remind you why. Amazing Grace was written in 1772, published in 1779 by the English poet and Anglican clergyman John Newton. Now, it spread to the United States by Baptist and Methodist preachers, especially in the South. That's where it blossomed. That's where it grew. No doubt, as he was being interviewed by the song or talking about it in a newspaper, here's a quote from John Newton in 1778, talking about where he was at before he wrote Amazing Grace. How industrious is Satan served? I was formerly one of his active undertempters. And had my influence been equal to my wishes, I would have carried out all the human race with me. A common drunkard or profligate is a petty sinner to what I was. Now, what was he? He was a slave trader. He was a slave trader. And I love that word he used, an under-tempter. Because what sort of implied in that word, under-tempter? It implies that you're working with Satan. You know, it implies that, you know, you're not, you're not just a, a, a flawed human being and you do some things wrong. It implies that what you do doesn't just impact you, but it impacts others. And just as Satan would want to tempt us and to get us to do wrong things, you are a partner in that. One could argue, if you're not leading people to grace, if you're not working with God as an instrument to do that, you might just be an under-tempter. A lot of people we influence are kids, our neighbors. So easy to do today with social media. Now, none of that 
existed in 1778. But thank God grace allowed John Newton to see what he was doing. Grace is what saved him. His conversion allowed him to reject what he had been and to become something different. Now, the words that should be familiar to you, hopefully, (laughs) at least the first line, then about the first verse, people start fading out sometimes. But here's that song. And think about where he was coming from. The worst of humankind, a slave trader. And he treated them that way. And he was awoken. He was awakened. He was converted. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I've already come. Tis grace had brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will be my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine, but God, who called me here below, will be forever mine. When we've been here 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. Now I want to go back over just a few parts of this. Was blind, but now I see. See, that's where we're at when we're away from God. We're blind. We can't see. We don't think right. We process things through our own eyes. Faith, in a way, that's why they call it an awakening, because you can see. And what does that? It was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. Now think about what he's saying there. In a lot of ways, grace isn't necessarily always this happy feeling. It's also a feeling of I'm wrong. See, one thing I think is missing in a faith today, in churches today, is, is we want to make people feel good and we want to make people happy. But usually, the first feeling we have with grace is this fear that if I'm not saved, I'm in trouble. It's an awakening. See, when you're blind, you don't see the need for God. You don't see the need for salvation. You don't see the need to recognize your sin. And when you do, it should scare you. What's going to happen to me if I don't? But then the second you do that, the second you allow grace, allow God to make you fearful of who you are, then you are relieved. That is when you find peace. It's okay to be afraid of yourself. It's truth. And then a little bit later in the song, Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. See, there's two veils. There's the veil of blindness that keeps us from God, that keeps us from truth, that keeps us from being who we can be. And then there's the veil of grace. 
the thing that protects us from the world, that protects us from the evil one, that protects us from the under-tempters. I love that word. That protects us from the under-tempters. And when you're in that veil, it's not about, am I sick or not? Am I got money or not? Does the world like me or not? No, it's joy and peace. Because within that veil, it is you, and it is God, and it is grace, and it is others who dwell there. And then at the end, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. I love that he ends that way. Not just because obviously we are to sing God's praise, but it is a reminder to us. It's not about us. It's not about me. Life is about God. It is about grace. It is about others. Don't hide your light. Now more than ever, people need to hear truth. It's okay to be afraid if you're afraid of the right things. If you're afraid of the things that can kill your soul. If you're afraid to be honest with yourself. If you're afraid to fear. But see, when you are awakened and you see the truth of who you are and you see how you've been pursuing the wrong things, That is when you find peace, and that is when you are allowed to enter the veil of grace. Where all you need, all you see is joy and peace that doesn't come from things or possessions or other people or what they think about you. It comes from God that is inexhaustible, whether it's 10,000 years or 10 million years or forever. Now, What John Newton was saying isn't new. He was just saying it well. (laughs) From Romans 5, verses 14 through 16. This is sort of a simple version of it, but I like it. Still everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought many to death. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. You got to look in the mirror. You got to be truthful about why you need God. It's not about what you don't have. It's about what you are. (laughs) It's about how the, the bad decisions you make, the regret you have, the pain you hold, the evil you have done to others, the times that your example has made you the under-tempter. And we empty ourselves. You know, all this stuff kind of fits together, doesn't it? Looking back again, when I was talking about beginning to pray, how being empty is a good place to be, well, that's what John Newton was talking about. You see, he was emptied by a recognition of his sin. Seeing that in that moment of despair was actually an act of grace because it allowed him to then fill that dark hole with something new under a new veil that he knew would bring him peace forever. That is amazing grace. And in a time of fear and uncertainty and hate and violence, 
and distrust. Praise Jesus. We need it now more than ever. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. Until next time, my friends, aim high. Sometimes to aim high, we got to go low and look at our ugly selves. Spread your wings using that veil of grace. And keep your eyes on the things that matter. Not you, but God serving others. Joy and peace that lasts 10,000 years and longer. Until next time, I am your host, Silawan. And you know what's coming next. Peace. You've been listening to The Pilgrim's Odyssey. Make sure you comment, share, and like this podcast so all of us together can let our light shine. For books, videos, and more content from me, your host, please visit Silouan.com. That is Silouan, S-I-L-O-U-A-N.com. Until your next visit on The Pilgrim's Odyssey, I'm your guide on life's wild ride, Silouan Green.